Welcome and good morning. It is October 28th, 2023. You are listening to All Out Law. I'm your host, Attorney Kyle Wyatt of Wyatt Law and Associates and Freedom Traffic Law, located at 2847 South Ingram Mill Road, Unit C101, Springfield Mo. open Monday through Friday, handling all of your family law and traffic law needs. And as we do every year, we have for the past 10 years, is uh, Halloween specials, and uh, and we got a we got a fantastic uh, show for you uh, this morning. We are joined in studio and on by phone, the uh, the creators of uh, Dark Ozarks. If you haven't had a chance, go on to Facebook, uh, YouTube. You can uh, check them out. They got videos um, and uh, uh, just all things uh, creepy, covering the dark history and mysteries, paranormal and folklore, more that are happening right here in your backyard. Uh, so with us uh, in studio is uh, Lisa Livingston Martin. She is uh, also an attorney, uh, author, historian, folklorist. Lisa practices law in southwest Missouri and is the author of a number of books on history and lore of the region. And her partner, cohort, is uh, Joshua Hurston. Is that Hist- Heston? Heston. Uh, he is a journalist, folklorist, author, historian. Uh, Josh is the editor-in-chief of State of the Ozarks um, online magazine and author of the um, uh, folkloric novel, what, Plague Child's Doctor? Yes. What is that about? Um, it is It is set in 1920s Missouri and basically centers around a young man who encounters a situation that... He figures out that things are not quite they seem, and it employs a lot of folklore and um, myth from the old world as well as the Ozarks, and it's a compelling story. Well, how much history is here in southwest Missouri? A lot. It, it's amazing to me how much. Give you an idea. When we started Dark Ozarks, Josh and I have been working together for quite a long time, but when we started Dark Ozarks uh, and started uh, – putting out material about almost four years ago now the joke was how long can we do this how many episodes can we do and we've just scratched the surface (laughs) how does a lawyer decide to become a ghost hunter of sorts well i'm not sure what which is the chicken and the egg i grew up on a farm that had activity um, actually was the site of a civil war battle so i was always interested i always knew things went on and then it, you know, I grew up, went off to school, went off to college, law school, started practicing, started family, etc. On the bat burner. Then, about oh, a little over twenty years ago, I was looking at a house to buy, and had an experience while I was viewing this house to the point I was touched by something. Oh wow! Uh, down in the, I staying in the basement it was a uh, beautiful older home, and something with a distinct sensation of a thumb being laid across one side of my throat and one, two, three, four fingers. Cold, almost ice, you know, dry ice cold, and then it goes through the back of my neck. Two things went through my mind. One is, I'm not sure I want to do my laundry down here every day, every week. And two is, okay, I want to know why these things happen. Did you buy that house? No. Okay. <laughs> Actually bought one about a, a block and a half away, but and ironically, no one stays in that house very long. But so that's what kind of compelled me to kind of get off my duff and, and go beyond just a casual interest to say, okay, I, I 
I'm going to research. I start investigating, end up writing books, uh, paranormal team. Then, you know, fast forward, end up Dark Ozarks, everything else. And, oh, and you forgot to mention we have the podcast. Everyone can uh, find the Dark Ozarks podcast on all major uh, podcast apps. What type of, um, you know, we watch, you see like on the uh, Discovery Channel, Mm -hmm. Travel Channel, they have um, these uh, shows called Ghost Hunters or or, or whatnot. Um, What, uh, do you guys, have you ever participated in in something like that? Yeah, I've been on most of those those shows and I I know most of those guys. Oh, wow. Yeah. um, and, And to be honest, you know, some I like some of them better than others as far as far as a view from an investigative standpoint. What people need to realize is that all of them are entertainment based. Um, they they are there to get people to tune in, and so some of them do that really well, and some of them do investigation better than others. And also, when when you Stop and think. I've, I've done everything from ghost hunters to uh, documentaries in the UK to I actually had a documentary on the Weather Channel. I actually, when the producer contacted me on that, I thought it was a joke. It was like, okay, who's joking? Who's playing a prank on me that I know because Weather Channel, paranormal documentary, but it happened. Um, and and so what people don't realize is when when they're watching these shows. Where do you think they get the stories? They get them for people like me. So I, I get calls from producers. Uh, I got a story producer called me once from New York who said, I, I'm not sure how, where my boss got your number, but he handed me your cell number on a piece of paper, said, call Lisa and ask if she can get me into Ed's location. That's all I know. And you could tell she was bewildered. And I said, yeah, because I knew who her boss was. Yeah, he's got my number. We know, we know each other. And yeah, and we went on with the conversation. So, what uh, when you guys are, are doing the investigation stuff? You've been doing it over here, Southwest Missouri and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, are there like uh, like the top five of, of locations that you guys have looked at that are that are a uh, you know really really interesting, but b you know maybe even accessible to uh, just novel uh, interest you know holders like you know. You and uh, I. Well, yeah, actually, uh, actually, there are. Actually, in here in Springfield, there are a couple of places people can go. One might surprise people, and uh, that would be University Plaza. It's The hotel? The hotel. It's right. been haunted since it was built. The employees affectionately refer to the apparition or shadow man that is seen there as the colonel because he looks like he is in a Civil War uniform. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, conjecture, is it uh, Colonel Phelps or not? Well, technically, that land was close to his farm. I'm not sure that it is Phelps, but a lot of things happened during the Civil War in downtown Springfield. So it's certainly possible that someone is there. So, uh, and he's seen in the lobby regularly. And so that's one place. Phelps Grove Park is another. There are a couple of stories there, uh, particularly one of um, a tragic bride who died going to her wedding, and, and she's seen along one of the bridges in the park in her wedding dress. And there's just other activity that happens there. Those, those are two places that are definitely public that people could go. Um, Pythian Castle has activity and they they have organized ghost hunts that you can go on uh here in springfield 
And there are a number of places. Wilson's Creek is another, um, the battlefield. And even though the rangers don't talk a lot about it, it's well known, and a lot of people have had experiences, uh, particularly around Bloody Hill, where um, General Lyons was killed. People see phantom soldiers as well as phantom horses. They, they will see horse, uh, soldiers on horses even, you know, uh, racing across in front of them, that kind of thing. One of my favorite stories there, though, is around the Ray House, and that's where the field hospital was. And so it's not unexpected that there could be activity there. But one, one thing that happens that isn't, you know, like watching Civil War surgery happen or something is people will see a young woman in period clothing walking from the old spring house up the hill towards the, the house carrying what looks like a wooden pail of water. And so people will think, oh, there's a reenactment going on or there's, there's actors here today. Uh, and then they'll go back to the, you know, and talk to the rangers and say, so what's going on? I saw the lady out there uh, walking around. We don't have anyone out there today. Wow. Well, we got to take our first break of the hour. You are listening to All Along. We are joined with Dark Ozarks. We'll have some more stories and tales for you right after the break. All right, welcome back. You are listening to All Out Law. We're having our Halloween special here with uh, Dark Ozark's uh, co-creator, Lisa uh, Lisa Livesey-Martin. Lisa, you have uh, obviously been exploring and and investigating. When you you talk about investigating, uh, what are you you looking for? What are you documenting when you go into places? Uh, Well, we're trying to document activity that goes on. First and foremost, we try not to interfere, try not to put ourselves into the situation. Uh, we look at ourselves as objective observers, uh, document with camera, you know, with photography, video, audio. We do use meters that you see a lot of the shiny bobble uh, devices on the TV shows, which make good like ooh ah because it, it blinks. Mm-hmm. Um, but and we do use some like EMF detectors, things like that, uh, looking for anomalies in a particular situation. But the reason for that is to see if there's an explanation of why is something happening that that is not paranormal based, but it has to do with what's going on. In this building, is do we have weird electronics going on? Do we have um, unusually high static electricity going on? Different things like that. And so, you know, we view ourselves as trying to document and record these things, and um, not to make it dramatic, not to try to change the situation per se but when we are working with private individuals we we do try to work with them as way with ways of them dealing with the situation normalizing their situation because they're in a situation that they feel is abnormal paranormal and often often hauntings are pretty mundane i mean you could be sitting down to breakfast you know eating your cereal with someone that you don't see i mean that's the nature of most hauntings there's they're kind of doing their own thing and you're doing yours <laughs> and occasionally you bump into each other um but if you if if you have the viewpoint that oh my gosh this is so scary people end up with a lot of stress a lot of anxiety and it really affects them and so we try to work with them with that um and you know most situations are are workable 
You know, I think of I think back to remember nineteen eighty two. There was a movie called Poltergeist. Oh yeah, and uh, and and so you know they, they they try to get a lot of help and different things, and they went to uh, Doctor Lesh, who was at the university there, and and so she would be more like what you were describing yourself as more of a an investigator, mm-hmm. right? Whereas when you know when they go get you know Tangia who who comes to clean cleanse the house, right? Do you see yourself? I mean, which role do you do you see yourself in? Uh, we we don't do technically we don't do cleansings or. Or that kind of thing because well for one thing you know disappoint a lot of people it doesn't work if you're dealing with a sentient presence with free will it's like me walking into your kitchen and saying kyle get out of this house it's not going to work um but there are ways of dealing with it um but in a way we are a bit of both um because we all have sensitivity, and some people have more sensitivity to, to energies and, and things than others, and it tends to run in families, and I won't deny the fact that it does tend to run in my family, um, uh, as well as my, my cohort. And so, you know, there, there's a bit of column A, a bit of column B, but first and foremost, we're there to document uh, and record what's going on and to preserve uh, a record of these kinds of activities because they build into our regional folklore, our mythology, and our shared culture. What uh, what type of um, I guess paranormal activity have you personally witnessed when you have gone into you know some of these locations? I mean, I've seen shadow men. I've seen apparitions. You know, and this isn't something that happens every time, obviously, but. Uh, you know, and sometimes the the TV shows make it look like anytime you walk in a place that says it's haunted, you know, you you get you know greeted at the door with "Hi, how are you doing?" by a full body apparition. Well, it doesn't work that way, but I you know I've had that experience in a number of locations. Uh, the most common type of activity actually tends to be audio, uh, either disembodied voices or sounds that you hear at the time. You know, you hear footsteps walking through when no one's walking, or a voice. Or um, you get what's called um, EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, which are sounds and voices that, that show up in your audio recordings that were not audible at the time. Um, and actually, for me, audio tends to be fascinating. I mean, it's always great when you, you catch something on camera, and we have. We've caught shadow men. Uh, we've caught floating mists and balls of light that don't make sense but for me the audio is really interesting because it gives often gives context and it makes it more human and personalizes it because you get voices and information that you realize okay something is going on here whether or not it's time you know some sort of function of time and space or a lingering spirit you have someone that is communicating um, and I think that makes it much more human and uh, accessible for storytelling as well. Do they, um, you know, in a lot of those shows, we'll, we'll see where they're trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. And so when you're when you're listening back, because uh, a lot of times you said you don't, you don't hear this when it's actually happening. Right. It's when you get back to your house or studio mm-hmm. or whatever and you're, you're, you're reviewing this stuff. But are they communicating back with you? Are they being responsive to, like, uh, questions? Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes you get things that seem to be, you know, they're, they are just in their own 
their own world, their own space. Either sometimes you get multiple voices, so you get a conversation, or they're just you know it's like you're listening in on something you know from the other room. But there are times you get things that are definitely interactive. Um, and one uh, a, a good example here at a Civil War home that we have investigated for years, and actually we've been able to investigate for thousands of hours. And that's an ideal situation when you're able to go back over time and spend a lot of time and you see patterns. And so you, it makes a lot more sense when you have that kind of data. But we were there, it was early on, and um, you use different kind of trigger objects trying to basically get interest. It could be something from a particular time period or whatever. Uh, and if you watch the TV shows, you often will see flashlights being used. Um, and sometimes it just seems to be random and nonsensical. Sometimes it seems to be very deliberate. And we were sitting there um, and a flashlight sitting there, and, and we were talking about how do we refer to this? Because we were talking at a, at a about a place where the, there was a good... 60, 70 years of people living there before flashlights were invented. And so we were saying, we need lingo. And so we were talking about it, and we had come up with the term of a magic candle because it works kind of like a candle, but it doesn't burn you. And while we're discussing this and had just someone had just suggested that term, there's a, a noise in the other room. We kind of pause, listening. And there's an EVP in between that says, light the light so I can see you. You know, so it definitely seems to be in response. Um, another time we're discussing, and this was actually at a public event. So the public's there and we're talking about history and everything. And we're talking about someone that had been in the house and what had happened to her, but had not mentioned her name at this point, but told enough of her story. And then there's a pause and actually an audio recorder in another room, in the next room. There's a woman's voice at the, during that pause that says, oh, Rose. And we were talking about Rose. It, but it was very that startled, oh, yeah, Rose. I know, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's Rose. And so you do get those at times. It's <laughs> blowing my mind. Well, that's where, so, and, and these are happening in different rooms you're not even in. You left right. the device there to, right. to record the, the Yeah, we, the... we were in one room, and, and the, the audio recorder was in the next room. And so it's about probably 40 feet away. It's a high-end recorder. Actually, uh, we use ones that are um, used for um, by studio musicians for acoustic work. And so, yeah, it's sitting about 40 uh, feet away. Everyone's quiet listening to the person giving the uh, the history um, uh, information. And she paused in her presentation about, oh, five, six seconds. And then that pause is that woman's voice that goes, oh, Rose. The, um, you know, when you watch shows uh, on, on, on on cable network and whatnot, mm-hmm. they have, it always seems like they were doing this at nighttime. So is that the only time the ghosts come out? Is it, oh, no. You have to be I, in the dark at night. No, no. Again, for the shows, th- there's a couple reasons. One, it looks spooky, so it's good for atmosphere. Um, and two, for most of us doing, actually doing investigations and in, in these, and the people who are on shows, most of them, you know, either starting out and even most of them after they have the shows, you know, this is not their main, I hate to tell everyone it's not their main job, but, you know, we still have day jobs. And so 
you know, they can't do it during the day because they have day jobs, so they're doing it at that time. And another reason is there is tends to be less noise contamination. You don't have as much traffic outside noise, so sure. it does it does help eliminate things that when you're playing things back and you're trying to figure out what in the heck is that noise, you know, is it a car, is it a dog, is it, you know, someone walking down the street, it helps because you have less of that going on. Um, but actually, studies say that the highest amount of reported encounters or experiences is mid-afternoon, which I think makes sense for a couple of reasons. One, we're out and about more than, and two, if this is, you know, I do believe that there's a function of energy involved, that for non, non-corporal entities to interact or be made, you know, where they can affect the environment, it's an expenditure of energy of some sort. And there's more available energy in the atmosphere mid-afternoon than any other time from the sun. Huh. It's what cre- it's what creates electricity, you know. Uh, there's electricity in the air as well as other, you know, forms of energy, and it's at its highest, you know, mid-afternoon. So it's not surprising to me that those two correlate. All right. We're at the bottom of the hour. Have you got any uh, hot spots of places that you've uh, experienced or thought about? Give us a text. We are, our text line is open at 447-5743. We'll be right back after this short message. Well, you just have to love this time of year, don't you? This is like your... Oh, it's This fun. is in your zone, right? Yeah, we have fun this time of year. <laughs> um, the, uh, so I'm kind of a transplant down here. So we've always, you know, I, I've kind of uh, tuned in and listened to, uh, the, you know, everybody's different experiences and stuff. I always want to know, like, you know, it would be a fun place to kind of take the kids to or, mm-hmm. or go in. You and I talked on the phone uh, uh, last earlier this week. We talked about um, the uh, that near near Joppa, whatever, like the the spook lights, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit. Have you have you ever seen the light? Yes. Oh, I've I've seen it dozens of times over the years. And at, so it's and, real. Oh, definitely, it's real. What it is exactly is is hard to say, but it's definitely a real phenomena. And Josh and I have a book coming out in the next few months on the spook light and other spook lights in the, in the Ozarks region. So uh, look for that coming out. Um, the spook light, it's interesting because people, it actually became a big marketing tool for the uh, Land of a Thousand Smiles campaign for the uh, Ozarks um, promoters uh, from, and they started working in the 1930s, but in the 50s and 60s, when car car culture really came about, uh, it was one of the things that they really kind of focused on, uh, and and it basically expanded what was already happening in the Joplin area because people knew about it. People would go out, like me growing up. You know, it was a rite of passage. First of all, you went out with your parents when you were a kid looking for it. Then you went out as teenagers. And then, you know, and then some people it discontinued. And so some nights you would go out there and there might be 100 cars out there. Uh, there was actually a little um, Spooky's museum uh, at the end of Spooklight Road that Spooky would, he'd sell pop and popcorn and stuff and tell stories. Um, and so it was really a part of the culture. But 
they had um, back in the 40s, they started trying to really figure out what what is this light? And the Corps of Engineers came down, the University of Missouri came down, and a couple others, and they they never did figure it out. Um, they they defaulted to one of two things. Swamp gas. Well, there's not a whole lot of decaying organic matter sitting around. We don't have a marsh down there. Um, and then two, it's headlights from uh, I-44 or before that Route 66. And and that is kind of right in a few cases because they have proven that with a certain temperature inversion in the atmosphere at a certain point on what's called Spooklight Road, that you can see reflected um, headlights from the highway, which is almost 15 miles away, by the way, um, at that point. Uh, but you see rows of double lights because you're seeing headlights. Right. Um, so you, it's just like you are watching them on a movie or something. Um, but one, that temperature inversion, that specific condition doesn't happen a lot. And two... It ignores the fact that it's seen over about a ten mile square, a ten square mile radius, um, and what people think of as Spooklight Road only became Spooklight Road in the fifties. It and and this is actually just on the Oklahoma side. You actually have to turn off a of state line road, and that first couple of miles is called Spooklight Road on Fifty Road. But originally, it was uh, on the Missouri side over by a little hamlet called Hornet. And originally, it was known as the Hornet Spooklight. And it was there for years. Then then sightings kind of became more prevalent on the Oklahoma side, but a mile further north off 40 Road. Then it kind of migrated down south to where people think of Spooklight Road. And now it's kind of migrated again. It's more up around 40 Road and on the Missouri side again. And... You can't park on Spooklight Road anymore because they paved it and they took the shoulders out, so they'll give you tickets because it's dangerous. But you can park on the other roads and the crossroad. Um, and if you go to um, the Paranormal Science Lab page on Facebook, the cover photo is actually a photo of, Spook of the Spooklight I took a number of years ago, which is actually, Google tells me it's the most viewed uh, photo of the Spooklight on Google. You took it. Uh -huh. So what does it look like? It looks like a, a ball of light. Uh, think of um, a phosphorus or um, luminous ball of plasma uh, that kind of moves around and and uh, changes shape a bit, kind of like almost like a lava lamp. Think of how a lava lamp right. looks, and and so you don't have precise edges, and it kind of just um, changes shape a little bit. Sometimes it'll break into two balls. Sometimes it kind of changes color from white to a, a, a reddish or a bluish or a greenish. Um, and it doesn't stay put. It moves around. It's seen on, on, on the roads. It's seen in the pastures around, seen up in the trees. Um, and it moves. And that's an interesting thing. Is it like Old Faithful? I mean, if you went there tonight, would you would you feel confident you'll see it? Not necessarily. I'd say probably 40 to 50 percent of the time if you go down there you're going to see it and part of it is are you in the right spot because you may be here and it you, and people may be able to see it two miles away people have seen it in their homes down there they've seen it uh, in their barns uh, it's appeared and actually floated through cabins of cars before um, the the first time um 
I saw it when I was down there on my own. We were down there in two cars, and we were part opposite sides of the road facing each other, maybe about 25 feet apart. And, you know, everyone's watching around there. There were four or five of us. We're watching each direction. No one sees anything, and boom, it appears between the vehicles and just hovers there. And um, that was the quickest three-point turn I ever saw an old pickup do. The, the two that were in the other vehicle, they, they hightailed it out of there because it was just boom, it was right there. Um, sometimes you see it at, at more of a distance. Um, and so I think a lot of the times when people don't see it, it just happens to be that they're not in the right spot at the right time. And, and that sounds like a cop-out, but it really isn't because it's seen over a pretty large area. Is there like a tracking device, or not device, but like, do you guys have like where people are like, hey, I'm over here, and you know, it's you yeah, know, we, 10, 20 p.m. Yeah, we, yeah, we've done we've done that uh, before where we have a number of people out there, and we'll use walkie-talkies and see if, you know, and we'll be staged at different places, and if someone sees it, then, you know, we tend to migrate towards it. Um, but, you know, that's kind of hard to do for a lot of people unless you have a group of people were organized but that's about the only way you can do that um and so based on that i'd you know 40 50 percent of the time when i've been out there i've seen it so i guess maybe 50 percent 60 percent of the time yeah. you go out there and you come back empty right it, but it's not necessarily that it wasn't viewable that night <laughs> We just, just might not have been in the right, the right place. place. Yeah. So what other, uh, so that's like probably, I don't know if they're called it the most famous, but it's one I've heard of mm -hmm. from Kansas City. Uh, and so I remember moving down here. That was one of the things like, you know, hey, we should go to see it. I've also heard of a place where uh, something will push your car. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that? Um, well, there, there's there's a number of places that 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 story comes into place. There's a Crybaby's uh, Crybaby Bridges. Several of them have that uh, component to it. One is in Northeast um, Oklahoma. There is also um, um, a bridge outside of uh, Springfield, and I hate to I hate to mention Albino Farm because it it's an urban legend, people, but. Yeah. There is a bridge near where people think the albino farm is um, that was called Hatchet Man Bridge, and several tales are s surround it. And one of them is that you, could, if you park there, sometimes fingerprints will appear on your trunk. And um, I have heard a few people say that you know it will row. It's a, a gravity hill situation. I've, I've never been able to get it to do that. But um, usually um, those situations um, are on dirt roads and usually a gravity hill situation. Gravity hills are you're sitting on you're sitting on an incline, but it's an optical illusion with your surroundings. So you don't think you think it's level, but you're actually not. So you could be in park or neutral and actually roll one way or the other a little bit. Um, and they tend um, where you get these stories, they tend to be dirt roads. And and also think about it. If you're in a vehicle that has a hatch or a trunk lid, you open it, you close it, your hands are on it, the oils on your fingers get on it. And so if you're on a dirt road and, and dust gets sprinkled around, they t it tends not to stick where your fingers are. And so those fingerprints are more visible. 
that's usually what happens there. Do you see that part of your job also is like, you know, some people think you're you're a hammer, <laughs> everything you look at is a nail. Uh, and so that must be a, you know, that must be a spook. That must be a ghost. But mm-hmm. also, I mean, as part of your job is, you know, I'm going to first look for the most, you know, obvious reasons yep. what it is, like kind of like Hawkins razors, mm-hmm. you know, the most simplest explanation is usually the correct one. That's right. That's right. And, and we do that. We try to eliminate every normal explanation we can. What is, uh, so those are the, the spook lights and then you were talking about the, 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 the bridges there. So what other kind of famous places uh, are out here in Southwest Missouri that have, have some good stories about it, some history about it that, that uh, has been witnessed by a lot of people? Oh, oh there, I mean, there are, there are uh, different ones. Um, off air, you mentioned uh, Peace Church Cemetery. It's often listed as one of the most haunted places in Missouri. And, um, um, a lot of things go on there, and it is haunted, but a lot of people jump to the conclusion that all cemeteries are haunted, and I actually find that most aren't. Most are pretty pretty flat, um, and I think that's because if someone is lingering, I don't think they're too interested in hanging out at their tombstone. Um, and another thing that we kind of forget in today's society is that these planned cemeteries that are more like parts one are relatively new creation. They didn't exist in the old world pretty much because there wasn't space to have a grave forever. So if you were interred, you were inter- your bones were interred for a certain number of years, uh, and you got that space. And then after that, they were put in ossuary under churches, and then someone else uses that space. And it was only when we got to the new world that they thought, wow, we got all the, all the land in the world. We can do this. And cemeteries became places for the living. You know, people went out and had picnics and walks, and it was a way to um, commune or touch your ancestors. You know, you're, you're, you're departed. It was a uh, more of a... Sounds a little pagan, but ancestor veneration, which is more old world and uh, what was traditional. Um, and so no one really, you know, most people didn't view, uh, you know, 150 years ago, view cemeteries as haunted. Now, there are some that are haunted, but it's usually because something else has happened there that has disturbed energy or, or attracts something. And Peace Church is one of those. It's the the oldest burial um, site in in the county, uh, way before there was a church, way before there was a settlement. Um, uh, and, um, but it's also the site of mass grave of Civil War soldiers from a very tragic um, situation, the, the Raider Fire Massacre that happened about a mile away. Um, and involved some of the very first Union black soldiers uh, seeing combat. And um, uh, long story, but basically um, they get ambushed, 13 die, and their commanding officer uh, is summoned from Baxter Springs, Kansas, and gets there, and he's so upset. He does something that is really unusual, um, and nowhere else in the war did we find it. They weren't in danger at that point. They could have taken the bodies back. He he put all the bodies in the farmhouse where it happened and burned the bodies of his own men. And um, then he ordered everything in five miles to be burned. And so those soldiers plus um, uh, combatants on the other side ended up in a mass grave 
that's unmarked in the cemetery. That's connected to energy. And then also um, the first spree killer in America, uh, who is the reason that your mother told you not to hitchhike, uh, Billy Cook, is buried there. And there's a long story with Billy. And so people assume that there's uh, activity surrounding Billy there. Um, and there is a shadow man seen in the cemetery. Not sure if it's him or not. So there are other things there that create the hauntings. All right, we'll pick that back up right over at the last break here. You are listening to AOL. All right, well, welcome back. We're listening to, uh, you're listening to all law. We're, I'm listening to some fantastic stories from uh, uh, the creators of Dark Ozarks, uh, co-creator of Dark Ozarks, Lisa Martin. Um, we're talking off air about, uh, you know, a lot of the cool things that you have looked at and, and you know, stories that we obviously Hollywood is, is big into, um, uh, the, the supernatural and, and, uh, we talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren. There's tons of movies, you know, the conjurings and things like that. Uh, one of the questions that, that popped up here is, um, uh, in your investigation stuff, do, do entities follow people? We, actually, we get asked that a lot of times because people are worried <laughs> if, if they go to a public event, is something going to follow me home? Um, <laughs> now, here's it's sort of a double-edged sword because, you know, some people want to really think, oh, this house is haunted, so whatever's haunting it is, is t- tethered to these four walls. Well, it doesn't seem to work that way. Um, if there's free will involved, they kind of come and go as they wish. The the other side of it is, so yes, in that sense, could they follow someone? Yes. Uh, but on the other hand, they usually are places that they are connected to or they have affinity for, you know. So, you know, I like this place. Um, and um, they might get curious and follow someone, but it's kind of like, do you really want to follow that stranger home and watch them brush their teeth in the morning? Um or go where you already are comfortable. And so I will say that there, I mean, there have been a, a few times that after uh, particular investigations, particularly if they were pretty active, you know, in the next day or two, I've noticed something different in my house. I, I live in an old Victorian and it has activity anyway, but something different will be going on. Um, and you're but, just cool with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> as long as they don't keep me up at night, I don't really care. But... Um, and but what I find is that it might be there for a day or two, and then it kind of wanders off. And I think you know they might get a little curious, but you know they go home. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like going to Disney World. You know, it's really neat for a day or two, but man, do you want to live there? <laughs> well, that that leads into the next question. I mean, do they generally uh, remain wherever they they died, or, um, or or do they you know go back to? Some other location. Because a lot of people die in like in hospitals. So right. you would think hospitals would be loaded with, you know, paranormal activity. Well, I hate to tell you, but a lot of them are. <laughs> if you if you talk to staff and employees, um, and and some do, some do seem to kind of stay where they they passed. Um, but a lot seem to go back to some place that had some meaning for them, um, their home or. Uh, you actually see a lot of um, commercial buildings with hauntings, and it, and it tends to be someone that, you know, built the building or built that business, you know, that had a lot of 
energy and investment in this space, and they still feel comfortable there. Um, one of my favorite experiences uh, was a few years ago. We were down at the Coleman Theater in Miami, Oklahoma. Absolutely gorgeous theater. It's been fully restored. Highly recommend anyone go go to an event there, but you can just go anytime, and they will give you a walkthrough tour, including the ghost stories. Uh, and it is modeled on the interior is modeled on Versailles and they do a really good job the outside is a Spanish Baroque and so one day I and one of my sons had stopped in uh, because we do events there at time to time and to talk to the manager and it happened to be on, on a day that they were closed I think they're closed on Mondays so he lets us in and we're talking we're standing in the lobby and we're the only three people in the building and the phone rings, and his office is up on the mezzanine on the second floor. And since they're closed, he's not bothering to run to answer the phone. And about the third ring, there's this booming, I mean, booming voice, man's voice that says, answer the phone. And my son and I kind of look at each other and smile, and Shannon, the manager, is like looking around and did you hear that? And, you know, we nod yes. And so he's like, it has to be his assistant manager. Danny had to come in the back door, you know. He goes through the entire building. No one's there, you know. Do I think that's Mr. Coleman? Yes. He was very tied to the business, very tied to the building. And he still hangs around, you know. That's that's a good example. Not every entity you come across is Casper. You, you talked about the very beginning of the show mm-hmm. where you were looking at a house to buy. Yeah. And it would seem like uh, that entity did not have a very uh, Gentile personality. Well, that one, I th- you know, what came across to me was I'm in control of the situation. That's, you know, um, that's the, the sense I got from it. And, you know, a lot of people will jump, particularly in the age of the, of the reality TV shows and everything. It must mean it's a demon or it's inhuman. And... Generally, no. Um, personality does tend to kind of carry over, so you will get uh, responses in, in audio, particularly that indicate a bit of personality. You know, someone's kind of a prankster. Someone likes to joke. You something that's childlike. Uh, and so, I, I tend to say, if you're a jerk in life, you're a jerk in the afterlife. So usually, that's what's going on. Either someone who is just kind of a jerk doesn't want to be bothered. Um, or, you know, or say you are in a location where maybe someone, you know, maybe, maybe there was a murderer who is there. You know, obviously, you know, they could certainly push back and have a personality that try to torment you. Doesn't mean they're, uh, inhuman, you know. The, um. The, the, one of the thoughts that, I, that come to my mind, though, is is that uh, you, you look at it as these are either you're talking about the either passed on humans, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, or elemental mm-hmm. uh, things that have been here for for a long time. Mm-hmm. And with the, the elemental aspect, do you think that's kind of like what we were talking about with the spook light? That must be more of more uh, like something that's part of the 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 the, the environment. Uh, well, I do think it's part of the environment, but actually, with the spook light, I think it I think it has something to do with geology myself, um, because it um, I think it has to do uh, with the karst limestone bedrock and high crystalline uh, structure that is 
um, one of the highest <clears throat> conductive uh, substances for energy that we know. Um, give an example. Communication satellites, they don't have electronics like you have in the studio here um, in them. Um, they, use, they use quartz because they don't burn out. It doesn't burn out. Huh. And, you know, it's kind of hard to go change out something in the, right. in, the, in the satellite. So I think that things get amplified. Energy gets amplified. There's also uh, some indication, at least in some places, like the Gurdon Light in Gurdon, Arkansas, that it has to do with um, tectonic plates and energy being, being released. So I think it's more geology. Well, I imagine you guys have a, a, a load more of, of stories and experiences. How can people uh, get in touch with you or, or, or watch videos um, and, and, and see some of the things you've experienced? Okay, if you're, in, if you're interested um, on Facebook, uh, follow Paranormal Science Lab and Dark Ozarts. We have lots of things on there. Uh, Instagram, Dark Ozarts is on there. YouTube, both are on there, but uh, Dark Ozarts has a lot of information on there as well as the Dark Ozarts podcast, and we cover all kinds of things. That's fantastic. I'm looking it up right now, Paranormal Labs. So mm-hmm. uh, absolutely, I appreciate you coming on uh, and, and sharing some of these stories. Um, it, it's just really fascinating, and Halloween always seems like a good time. Do you guys do tours and, and things like that for people? We do. We have a lot of public events. Actually, tonight we are at a Civil War house in Carthage, Missouri. If you're interested and want to head on down, uh, tickets are at ParanormalScienceLab.com. Awesome. Well, hey, I, I wish your, your your cohort could have been here with us. Uh, I know he got tied up with other things. Uh, but hopefully we can have you back on again and, and, and experience some of these things that you got to talk about. Love to. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. I hope you enjoy your Halloween. I heard it's going to be a cold one this year. Uh, but, man, this is a fantastic time to get out with your family, get some pumpkins, do some fall things. And until next time, stay tuned.